think there's been many really uh, big injuries. I know our our roof, our one linebacker with a bicep tear, but I think other than that, everyone else is kind of set to go. And uh, I think I think they've looked good. I, I think there's more depth probably than people think. I know the way they work, the guys with the first, second, third, or ABC different groups or different names. They have all of them. They've all these guys are ready to play. You know, they all understand what they're doing. Uh, so I'm I'm anxious to watch them. Torrance Marshall days away until kickoff in Norman. There's Bob Stoop saying, uh, yeah, I've seen him out there in practice. I think that they're going to look pretty good. I think the depth might be even better than what some people think. Do you think he was talking to Stuart Mandel right there? Do you think yesterday Bob knew that Stuart Mandel was going to fire off a 7-5 and five for OU? That's what I hope is happening there. Yeah, I'm just. We'll pretend that Bob is just plugged into whatever uh, you know the national types. Be, being a member of the media, past member of the media himself. I mean, Bob Stoops. Uh, Bob Stoops is a national college football analyst there for for a while. So we got to take him, take him at his connections. I'm serious, man. And uh, said it at the first segment of Locked In. It's the worst take of the off season for OU, and we've heard some bad ones. I thought, I honestly thought that we were through the worst. Of the bad takes for OU, Stuart Mandel throwing out a seven and five though was really bad. The last time I heard a preseason prediction this bad for OU football was I heard someone predict a six and six season back in 2015, and OU ended up in the college football playoff that year. So I I don't know if those two situations are linked at all, but the seven and five for the life of me, Travis, I just don't I don't understand how you can look at this team and say yes. They're a sub-eight-win team with the schedule that they have. This is not an Arkansas murderer's row schedule. This really, in the grand scheme of things, is a pretty light schedule. There's some tricky games. There's certainly a few games there that you could say, well, this could be a trap game, but in no way is OU's schedule tough. So to think that they're going to win less than eight games to me is just, it's its dumb is what it is. Yeah, to your point, I thought we were kind of through the the muckety muck, if you will, the uh, the or all all the attention that the national people wanted, they got early in the off season from uh, you know saying, "Oh, the program's crumbling." Lincoln Riley basically built this thing. The only reason they're a blue blood is because Mule Shoe was in there, you know, uh, coaching things up. The only reason they could recruit was because of Lincoln Riley. The only reason, blah blah blah, like they were getting those interactions early and often and we fell right into their trap i mean it it happened um and we got up a lot of engagements i mean you see the cfb on fox uh, twitter account running their their fan polls and we are in the final four for a reason because we roll crazy deep well the easiest way i mean heck we every radio station probably in the region is talking about mandel today and i hadn't said his name in months if ever i don't think i'd actually said his name so uh, you know, he's he's doing what he can to squeeze every last bit of attention, uh, you know, from OU Twitter. And, and he's getting it, no doubt. But there's no way in his heart of hearts he believes what he's saying. No. And and he'll come around on it. He'll come around and say, oh, you know, it, I, I just said that it was possible. Um, you know, I, I said it was possible. You know, we're allowed to have bad takes every once in a while. Like, dude, you don't even believe this. And, and then he told on himself. 
because somebody said, okay, so hold on, you're telling me that Oklahoma, who hasn't finished, you know, below, you know, with five losses since, you know, whatever year, he's like, well, since um, – 2014. You know, 2014, when it was like, well, now you're not counting bowl games now, okay? So he's trying to – he's moving the goalposts so much because he knows it's a bad take. It's just a bad take. Yeah, no, it is. It. How many slam dunk wins are on the schedule? I, I've got my top five toughest games of the year. I'm sure that you do as well. We'll get to that probably at some point this hour. But how many slam dunk wins are on the schedule for OU? UTEP is definitely one. Kent State is one. I mean, Nebraska, in terms of the overall talent level between the two teams, some might say yes, but I, I don't think Nebraska's a slam dunk win. Do you, do you disagree with me there? You know, I do. I do disagree with you. Just just because I, I, I don't think – Casey Thompson looked good against us when he had Xavier Worthy, when he had B. John Robinson, when – we had Latrell McCutcheon guarding Xavier Worthy. Like he doesn't have any of those people at Nebraska. He did, and and I I tend to think that you know our talent is so much better. That new coaching staff they've got is not like the new coaching staff that we've got. Scott Frost, I've never believed in. I believe that Nebraska deserves much better than Scott Frost. Uh, I think. I think this whole, oh, prodigal son returns. He was so good as a quarterback here. Maybe he'll be the one to dig us out. He'll be the one to pull the sword from the stone. Like, no, nah, I'm, 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 I'm over all that. He's proven that he's no good as a coach. So uh, I, think, I think it's my lack of faith in Scott Frost and my extreme faith in Brent Venables knowing that this is the tone setter uh, for his, you know, for his – career as head coach at Oklahoma yeah no, look I think OU is going to win the game I just don't look at that one and say yeah all OU has to do is roll out there and they're win but hey that's that's a that's a fair point because Nebraska was three and nine last year and people like to tell me all the time well they're the best three and nine team in college football history look at how many one score games they played in well l- look at how many games they gave away in the end right um, yes they were in and a close, lot of games it doesn't matter they didn't games win any come of them. down to close games come down to coaching they really do it's and that's the thing you lose that many close games it's because your coach is no good I mean that's really what it comes down to so uh, until they get a new coach I'm I am totally I, I I like I like the chances of them losing to Northwestern better than I like the chances of them beating us personally. I'm not throwing a Kansas State at home in there either as a slam dunk win. I think that's a pretty oh, no, tough spot. All. I think they're a really good team. Clearly they've had success in Norman. They've won here, what, three times since 2012? That's a pretty good clip. Mm-hmm. At TCU, I tell you, and I think Parker and I think pretty – I think we, we're kind of trending towards kind of the same direction on TCU – you know, when it was believed or when it was thought that Max Duggan was going to be the starting quarterback, I would have said, yeah, I'll go ahead and chalk this one up. OU's going to win in Fort Worth. They haven't had really any issues winning in Fort Worth recently. So that one's a slam dunk win. The whole Chandler Morris thing kind of changes my mind a little bit. And I think Parker's try- starting to trend in that area as well. And, and maybe it shouldn't, but he looked great in that Baylor game last year. I think the kid is a gamer. I think he's a baller. Um, because I think Chandler Morris is going to be 
the starting quarterback, I'm slowly moving away for that game as just a slam dunk win as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got all your classic makings of a trap game, right? It's, um, you know, it's on the road. It's a week before Texas. Uh, it's, you know, a week after what I think will be a good game against Kansas State. I think most of us on this station feel pretty confident and probably nationally feel pretty confident that uh, Kansas State is a, a sleeper this year. They've got a lot of talent. So, uh, I, I think it's your classic trap game, um, and I do agree that Chandler Morris gives them uh, kind of another dynamic. I've just never been really high on Duggan's ceiling. So, yeah, I mean, it's that one's, that one's not going to be a pushover by any stretch of the imagination. And you know Chandler Morris is going to do – I mean, he's – not that he's not going to go all out every game, but y- you understand. Playing against his old team where he had to transfer from. Yeah. See, my, my thing is I don't think he's ever I, – I don't think he's ever – had any problems, even old team type narratives um, with Oklahoma. I think it's more Lincoln Riley who tried to block transfers, this, that, and the other. Yeah. Like, I, I think if you made, you know, if we were going classic, uh, you know, hit list style of if he's got a, a list on his wall of everybody or a list in his locker of everybody who's ever wronged him that he wants to prove wrong, I would argue that Lincoln Riley's higher on that list than anybody still at Oklahoma. Yeah, fair point. Texas is not a slam dunk win. Even though it'll probably be another six and six, seven and five season this year, but God knows they'll show up second Saturday in October and play OU tough in the Cotton Bowl. Got to mark it down; it's going to happen. Yeah, it through. Yeah, against all logic, you know they could they could roll out literally eleven, you know, eleven Bevos, eleven Longhorns, and somehow. Some way, it would still be a dramatic close game. Kansas is a slam dunk win, regardless of what happened last year. I do not care. KU will be a slam dunk win this year. Um, I know you agree with that one. Then you go to at Iowa State on late October. That one's a tricky enough spot. Apparently, Iowa State's starting to feel pretty good about what they have with uh, with their new quarterback, Hunter Decker, up there. They think, and they thought that they were going to be good last year. Iowa State think that they might be sneaky good this year. Yeah, I mean, they could be. You know, they've got that uh, vaunted five-star culture that we keep hearing about. Um, but it, it's really interesting because I, I really think Iowa State had that opportunity when they had all that talent come back. I think they returned, like, the most talent uh, of any team in the Big 12 or maybe even the country the one year where they were really seemed like they were on the rise under Matt Campbell. And then all of a sudden they just kind of – fell on their face and they haven't really been the same since so uh yeah it, it'll it'll be i don't think it's full-blown slam dunk but um it's i think if we were just to cut the thing in half i still think it's one of our maybe easiest games baylor it, at home um baylor is going to probably be in my opinion the best team that you play this year now that's not a great spot for baylor to get ou in early november because you would think OU be humming along quite nicely at that point in the season, but Baylor's no gimme. They're physical. They're going to run the ball. They're going to play good defense. We'll see if Shapin's a dude or not. Um, but I, I, I think Baylor might be the, the toughest team, or the best team, I should say, that you play this year. Oh, I, there's no question. There's no question. I mean, they're certainly going to be the best coach team that we play against. Dave Aranda has, since he's been at Baylor, has done nothing but, I mean – just win, win games and not smile for the most part. Um, that guy is – they tackle really well. They're extremely physical and disciplined, kind of like uh, Brent Venables had said. Uh, physical discipline, that's that's what you can hang their hat on. So, yeah, that's going to be a tough game, but I do agree with you that 
we're kind of getting them, you know, we got Kansas, should be a good win. You don't really have to hopefully, uh, you know, spend all your starters uh, out after the week against Texas, and then uh, you're, you're coming off, you've got the bye after that, get everybody healthy again. You've just got that one game at Iowa State that hopefully – uh, doesn't doesn't end up being too stressful, and then you get Baylor. So it's it is a good spot to get Baylor on the schedule. I do think West Virginia and Tech both on the road are very close to slam dunk wins. I'm going to actually count both of those. I'm not buying the hype with West Virginia. They've just been so bad offensively recently, and I just still see... hype with West Virginia. Yeah, with JT Daniels at quarterback yeah. and Graham Harrell. As what the OC oh out there? I just gosh. I don't I don't see it, man. I'm, I'm how, how many sorry. years have we been hyping up JT Daniels? Um, probably since his junior year in high school is what I would guess. So that would which, be what eight was years like ago? Four, oh four, oh five. Seriously, seriously, this is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, he got beat out by a walk on last year, right? Granted, that walk on uh, won a national title, but wasn't didn't he come back healthy? I, and they yeah, stuck with Stetson Bennett? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he came back, and the thought was he was going to take over for Stetson Bennett in the middle of the year, and, well, that just didn't happen. Stetson Bennett rolled off a national championship. OSU at home is not a gimme, though I do I, I like OU in that game in a revenge spot. At West Virginia and at Tech, I think, are pretty much gimme games, even though Joey McGuire basically said, we're going to beat Oklahoma, and then we're going to tear down the, the, the north end zone or the south end zone or whatever it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think yeah, OU's got five pretty much, you know, slam dunk, feel pretty good about these wins, even though some think they're only going to win seven. Yeah, the uh, I'll tell you what, the text line's tearing me to shreds right now. Uh, apparently uh, we found the Scott Frost fan club of Oklahoma. Uh, they all reside on the text line. Um, so they're, they're all, uh, they're all in, in, in Scott Frost's, uh, um, you know, they got, they got confidence in them. I, 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 don't, I don't see it. I personally don't see it. They're, they're, you know, citing the UCF success. Um, you know, UCF did have a touch touch of success uh, after him, not a ton, but he did have that undefeated season. But when he plays up with the big boys, he doesn't seem to be able to get it done. So we'll see. We'll see if uh, we'll see if Scott Frost is able to turn it around this year. How many how many wins do you think is a good year for Scott Frost, Tyler? I've heard, or I've been told, and now this was four months ago, three or four months ago, that he needed eight wins this year to keep his job. Um, I feel like if he gets seven, if they roll off a seven and five with like a win over Michigan or even like a win over Iowa, they'll probably keep him. I think a good year for Nebraska is, I mean, a seven and five year, it'd get him back to a bowl game for the first time in a long time. Isn't it insane that that we speak about Nebraska and Texas with the same kind of expectations and like story like storied programs, uh, especially Nebraska having that in just insane run in the '90s, and now it's you know eight wins. You know that's that's good effort, man. That's that's like really Nebraska, Texas. Like we're we're talking about Texas. Oh man, you know Sark really had a good season at eight wins. Oh, my God. Well, and that's the thing. I is, can't imagine that being the standard. But I cannot no, imagine those being the standard. Nobody nationally. I mean, they are the same program right now. Over the past decade, I think they've maybe oh, that Texas. that graphic is incredible. Yeah. Texas won one more game than Nebraska has. And we talk all about how Nebraska's never going to be back. They've been embarrassing the past decade. But the past 10 years, they've been the same program. And you would argue that Nebraska 
has been in a stronger league, even though the Big Ten West hasn't been all that great. Nebraska's overall schedule has probably been better than Nebraska's. But here's the thing, too, is they're not perceived, like even now going into this year, to be on equal footing. People are picking Texas to win their conference. That's not really the case with Nebraska. I, I saw a, uh, a head coaching tier today, Travis, that had Nick Saban oh, in a tier all by himself, which is totally fair. But Sark was on a tier above Scott Frost. How can you say that? I understand, and we just made the point, that Scott Frost hasn't been good at Nebraska, but at least Scott Frost won big as a head coach at UCF. Steve Steve Sarkeesian has never won, ever, at a high level, at any school that he's ever been a part of. So to think that Sark is just on this totally different tier, he's above Scott Frost as a head coach. Give me a reason why, because I haven't seen it. Because he's draped in that burnt orange, Tyler. He's draped in that burn orange. That's all that matters. Like you said, some people are picking Texas to win the conference. Yeah, nobody with a fully functioning brain. I mean, so, but that's, they get the benefit of the doubt. It's the same thing. You, you've seen the graphic, like you said, over the last decade or so. It's like they've had the exact same amount of success, but Texas keeps on, you know, getting picked to win this, that, and the other. Nebraska isn't picked to win any of it, but yet they both do the exact same thing every year. It's a... It's a marketing problem, if anything. Yeah. Uh, Somebody air, needs to get with the PR. Air Coverage Solutions text line real quick. Man, last year's OU team wasn't all that good. They were talented, but they will be so much more prepared than they were last year. Uh, this one says, Quinn Ewers just got an NIL deal for Wrangler. Yes, I, we will be addressing that later today. Uh, Brian in Tulsa says, if OU goes 7-5, and five, then Bama goes 5-7. and seven. That's how much that makes sense. Well, <laughs> OU's not going seven and five, and Bama's not going five and seven. He, here's how much I disagreed with uh, with uh, Stuart Mandel today. I even disagree with what he has at Texas, not because I think his prediction is too high. I, I think it's a little bit unfair of what he thinks of UT this year. He's got UT going four and eight this season. Like, I don't, I don't think that they'll be great, but I think Texas will win more than four games this year. I mean, which is more likely in your mind, Texas going four and eight or Texas going nine and three? Um. Oh God, that's actually a really good question. Um. Well, I mean, they were a five and seven team last year, so I guess they. Right. I would have to say four and eight. Exactly. <laughs> I, I guess. So it's and, and and here's the thing. It's and and obviously spending spending time dunking on Texas is never time poorly spent but it can it can be wrapped up in just a very short amount of time right it's quarterback that has completely unproven at the college level um that apparently has was placed by the boosters and not the head coach head coach that is middling that has never had control of the program at texas and then when he was in control at other places he was a 500 coach and that offensive line is a wet paper bag it it doesn't matter who they start they could have they could have Patrick Mahomes back there. It would not matter. That offensive line is going to have people in his lap the entire time. Heck, Bijan, like I said, Bijan might opt out and say, "Look, these guys ain't blocking, and I'm not going to get injured right before I go into the draft. I'm going to keep the uh, tread on the tires." And that defense, they got they got they, they got no pass they got rush. issues. They got nobody in the secondary. I, I don't know. I'm just I just don't. When you look at them and take the take the burnt orange off the take the cover up the logos, it's a bad football team. 405-651-3439 is the Air Coverage Solutions text line. Keep it locked on the rush. Live on the ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans.
It is the rush live on the ref for the homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson is with me today, like he will be every single Wednesday during this upcoming football season. And he's at One Oak Field right now because FC Tulsa is playing tonight. Not only is FC Tulsa playing tonight, Travis, but there's a dollar beer, which I don't know what single promotion in sports will get more people out to the seats than one dollar beer. Yeah, of course. Uh, one dollar beer is is synonymous with uh, a good time. I think we we can all say. But yeah, I'm out here at One Oak Field. Um, immediately after we get off air, uh, you know, gates open at six thirty. Kick the kick is at seven thirty. Uh, but they're they're facing Hartford Athletic. Uh, this is a game that got. Um, postponed and rescheduled to tonight, um, but uh, you know, looking to looking to extend the uh, win streak to three games here at home. Uh, FC Tulsa has been playing really good, an exciting brand of soccer out here. But yeah, dollar beers, you can't beat it. It's a gorgeous night, and better yet, if you go to the ticket office and say Travis sent me, they will give you a free ticket. Nice to tonight's match. So if you are listening. And you want a nice uh, evening outdoors with the family, or, or if you just want to roll through and meet some people uh, over in the Dollar Beer area, uh, just come. Tickets on the house. Just say, hey, Travis sent me. Give me my free ticket. Ten bucks, you can have a good old time tonight oh, yeah. at One Oak Field. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. Um, we just got a DM from someone, an OU fan, asking us where we're going to be on Friday and Saturday for the Nebraska game. So if you didn't hear it yesterday, we finalized Friday. Um, Parker and I and Travis, we're going to be at the session room in Omaha. That's right next to the ballpark, TD Ameritrade, uh, where OU was in the championship series this year in the uh, Men's College World Series. So we'll be at the session room from noon to 6 on Friday. We're still trying to figure out Saturday. We may be at a bar in Lincoln for the postgame show on Saturday. That'll be Travis and myself, but... I'm going to guess for pregame Saturday before Nebraska, we're probably with Hillbilly Vegas somewhere in a parking lot having a legit tailgate somewhere. It's my guess. Yeah, we're, uh, we're going to be up uh, with the boys uh, of Hillbilly Vegas from Fort Smith, Arkansas. We're going to be up uh, probably by their tour bus um, set out front doing it while maybe they play a little music. We get some pregame action going on, but we will be uh, in Lincoln, that's for sure, because the last thing you want to do that morning is uh, drive over from Omaha. You'll miss the game. That traffic's going to be crazy. Brian says $1 beer, $12 water. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's going to be the scenario at One Oak Field tonight. No, and no, absolutely not. And, and you can hydrate with beer, I think. I'm no scientist. That's, this is not medical advice. LG Sooner says, this is an honest question. I'm a very avid OU fan, but a realistic fan. I have a wait-and-see approach with the OU offense this season because of an unproven offensive line and an unproven Dylan Gabriel on a steady diet of Power 5 teams. Please tell me why I should be as optimistic as everyone else. I'm hoping it's as good as everyone thinks it'll be. Um, Travis, I'll start. I, it, I think it's fair to say and fair to question um, this unproven offensive line. I think unproven is a fair way to, you know, kind of categorize what this offensive line is right now. I, I would tell you this, though. I, all reports out of camp is that the offensive line is playing really well right now. They've got seven, eight guys that they feel good about. Um, what I, I heard a couple weeks ago, what Teddy was saying after he went to a practice, that maybe they've been the strongest part of the team so far throughout training camp. So, 
yeah, we got to see it throughout the year, no doubt. But the best news that you could possibly get about this training camp is that the offensive line has made serious strides, and that sounds like it's been the case. And for an unproven Dylan Gabriel, I mean, he's – I don't know if it's fair to call him unproven just because of the resume he has in college football. I understand it's not in a Power 5 conference, but I think he's going to be just fine given what he's already accomplished in the sport up to this point. I mean, is is he the – most proven in the conference i mean i i guess spencer sanders been with the same team long enough but i mean if you had to give me the option to take spencer sanders dylan gabriel i'm taking dylan gabriel you know seven days a week twice on sunday but um yeah i guess unproven against this competition but keep in mind he's also throwing to better receivers he'll be behind a better offensive line he's got like it's there are some benefits of moving to a better conference for him as well. It's not all just that the defense got better and he just brought his team from UCF. But the offensive line, no, you brought it up. They've been having a fantastic camp. And really, uh, you know, Bill Biedenboe's back in his bag now that he's got Jerry Schmitty with him. I mean, the offensive line, we've talked about it over and over, they are stronger than they were, than they have been the last few years. And the last time that we had – you know, a nice, strong offensive line paired with a proven elite offensive line coach, yeah, things went pretty well, won the uh, Joe Moore Award. So, uh, you know, them being a bright spot of the team through camp is not at all surprising. What I like about it is the depth. You've heard great things about the two Jakes. You've heard fantastic things about Tyler Guyton to the point where a lot of people thought he might crack his way into into a starting role. Um, Obviously, Savion Bird and got a lot of other guys that are that are really doing some nice things so not only are the are the are your front five your your starting five going to be much improved especially from a physicality standpoint but we're going to be much deeper this year as well now to, to answer the like why should you be optimistic here's why you should be optimistic just go pull up the schedule go pull up the schedule look at every single game and count how many games you say to yourself yeah i just don't see OU winning that game, or even saying, wow, that's a really tough game against a really tough team. OU's really going to have to play well to win that game. You're not going to find very many games on the schedule. In fact, as I look at the schedule, I say, I think they're the more talented team. I think they're the better team than any other team that they play on the schedule. Doesn't mean I think that they're going to go undefeated, because that's not how college football always goes. But I'm optimistic about the roster and the depth, but it's also the schedule, Travis, that makes me really optimistic about this team winning double-digit games this year. Right. I mean, you look across, first of all, you look at the college, the college football landscape as a whole, there are new starting quarterbacks everywhere. You look at the Big 12, and it, it, it almost looks like everybody just dumped their rosters into one big hopper, and then they just spun the, spun the uh, handle around, and everybody picked out a quarterback. That's what it feels like, because... So many new phases, so many people learning uh, new systems uh, with new coaches. And, you know, so that's what I think one of the rare, rare opportunities for us is we brought in a transfer, sure, but it's a guy he's already had immense production with. And I think that's what's going to set us apart is, uh, you know, Dylan having that experience running Jeff Levy's offense. But yeah, the schedule. It's it it sets up beautifully for us. I mean, Nebraska, obviously, uh, um, we we've, we've talked at length about that. But getting Baylor at home, off of 
Kansas by, uh, and then what, at Iowa State. And later and in the we, year, in November. And that's way big. late in the year. You get OSU way late in the year. Uh, you know, Texas, again, unfortunately, they're dealing with a lot of injuries. Um, you know, you'll see what their kind of uh, Ajay Hall suspension looks like. So, yeah, I think it's. I think the schedule. This is not the SEC schedule that we're getting ready for. No, this team going into the SEC. Okay, I might have a bit more pause. I not even I might. I would definitely have a bit more pause. But with this, with this specific Big Twelve schedule, I'm not going crazy. But next year, once we start off with Georgia, okay, then it's game time. Uh, text line one more in uh, Washington D.C. today. Guy next to me on the metro sees my OU cap. He's from Omaha. His perception is not much faith in Scott Frost. Excited about uh, Casey Thompson. Expecting OU to fall apart with the loss of Lincoln Riley. Now, I make fun of the Nebraska fans for being old. And I probably will continue to do so as we get closer to the trip to Omaha and Lincoln. But I would think that Nebraska is probably a pretty smart fan base. That's the perception of one fan that they're going to completely fall apart. Surely Nebraska fans don't think that a 7-5 and five football team is going to be rolling into Lincoln. If so, um, I think they might be in for a little bit of a rude awakening. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand anybody that has the opinion of expecting OU to fall apart with the loss of Lincoln Riley. I, I, I just don't understand it, Tyler, because when you look at the end product, the absolute – we judge this. What do we talk about when we talk about a football team? We keep talking about 11-1, 7-5. We talk about what, what are you at the end of the season? What are you when, when, when it matters most, right? Well, you go from his first year was his high point. The farther away you get from your predecessor and the worse you get, that means that your success can often be attributed to your predecessor. So – if you go from, I mean, it's like the national media didn't tune into the bowl games, which seems odd, but you go from overtime classic against Georgia to losing to, by 11 to Alabama to getting blown out by LSU to missing the playoff but winning the Big 12 to missing the Big 12 altogether. And then this year, then you think, oh, yeah, that guy that kept on getting worse and worse every year, they're screwed without that guy. Do they, they not know we've been doing this for 100 years? No, they don't, actually. They should, but they don't really pay attention to the sport that they cover. You think that some of these guys nationally, they uh, do all the research and check all the tape and everything. Nah, not really. They don't really, they don't really know as much as the average fan out there. I'm convinced of that after then another offseason of bad takes. Then you got Mad Dog saying that Alabama can't be the number one overall program because they weren't very good in the <laughs> 1920s. Point so, proven. Like, pick a lane. Exactly. Pick a lane, guys. All right, uh, we'll get back to the text line uh, coming up next. But you know what to do. Keep it locked on the rush, live on the ref, more football on the other side. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, live on the Homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. It is the rush on the ref. We're the home of Sooner fans. Travis is in Tulsa today at One Oak Field for the FC Tulsa game tonight at 7.30. $1 beers tonight at the FC Tulsa game. And if you go to the box office and say, Travis, really loud, 
Well, they're going to give you a free ticket for it. It's a pretty amazing deal. So if you're looking for a fun Wednesday night out with the family, uh, go ahead and go out there to the FC Tulsa match tonight. All right, Travis, um, I'm going to throw a bunch of names out at you, and you tell me what all these names, they have one thing in common. Here are the names. Ed Ogeron, Tommy Tuberville, Sylvester Croom, Philip Fulmer, Bobby Johnson, Urban Meyer, Bobby Petrino, Houston Nutt, John L. Smith, Gene Chiswick, Joker Phillips, Derek Dooley, Will Muschamp, Mark Richt, Steve Spurrier, Les Miles, Hugh Freeze, Jim McElwain, Butch Jones, Brett Bielema, Kevin Sumlin, Chad Morris, Barry Odom, Matt Luke, Joe Moorhead, Will Muschamp, Derek Mason, Gus Malzahn, Jeremy Pruitt, Ed Ogeron again, Dan Mullen. What do all those names have in common? Those are... It was 31, by the way. They're all um, former SEC coaches. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, SEC coaches that have been fired since Saban. Yes, yes, exactly. All of those head coaches have been fired in the SEC since Saban joined Alabama in 2007. Look oh, at how man. many body bags he's acquired since he's arrived in Tuscaloosa. Jeez. Just mowing them down. And those are some big names. Yeah, some of those names have won national <laughs> championships. He said, good Lord. Yeah, Edo, Urban, all those guys. I mean, good Lord. Phil Fulmer won a national championship yep. in 1998. It don't matter, dude. It don't matter. Uh, Steve Spurrier won a national championship, not at South yep. Carolina, but yeah. he won one at Florida. It's just – and guess what? There are more names to pop up on this list. Yeah, especially with Saban signing his new deal. Good Lord. That does not include uh, medical retirements or coaches, like, leaving jobs or, like, in interim status or anything like that. Josh Pate put that out last night a 24-7 sports, and I thought it was just wild, man. Goodness gracious. Man, I'm, uh, I won't lie, I'm a little proud of myself on that one. But um, I, I tell you what, you know who should be proud is Nick Saban's agent. Yeah. I mean, first of all, with the foresight, because doesn't he have in his uh, contract that he has to be the highest paid coach in, in college football? Yeah, and he was, I think he was probably happier than Kirby Smart when Kirby got his new deal about a month ago. Yeah, he just automatically gets a new deal. And and that's got to be, that's got to be funny if you're Kirby, you you, no matter what, you're playing second fiddle to Nick. I mean, yeah, you can make – because there are certain egos involved, right? I mean, when you get to that level and it's, oh, man, I'm, what does Nick get paid? I want to get paid more than that. And then a week later they realize, oh, crap, I just got Nick more money. And, and to be honest, Nick's probably underpaid still. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the millions to, and bi- or billions that he's probably I mean, brought into Alabama. Yeah, dude. He I mean, needs to have as, a stake in the company. I mean, as crazy as it is to say, he he's the highest paid coach in the country, and he's still underpaid because when you just stack up his accomplishments and the earnings he's brought to the school versus the accomplishments of uh, name any high paid co- Lincoln Riley for that matter. I mean, you look at just the the small disparity in their in their salaries but the the grand grand canyon sized chasm between their accomplishments yeah he's he's underpaid Wes Miles was also in there uh, I don't think we mentioned him like there's like five head coaches in there that have won national championships 
and he could not outlast Nick Saban at uh, at, at uh, Alabama. I'm trying to think of who the the newest head coach in the SEC is. Who would be the newest head coach of the SEC? Shane Beamer's in his second year. Napier. Billy Napier's in it. I bet yeah. I bet Saban's at Alabama longer than Napier's at Florida. Anyone want to take that bet? Yeah, I, I would agree. But how, what are your thoughts on Napier? Do you think he's uh, do you, Do you think he's he's built to last down there in the, in the swamp? Yeah, um, I I like the hire a lot. I was skeptical a little bit a couple of months ago, just because it didn't sound like Florida was ready to play the game like everyone else. And I, and I know that they hired like a hundred different off the field personnel, but apparently something happened. Yeah, did you see I, that picture? Yeah, it's like a, an entire section for Florida's team picture because they have so many assistant coaches. I don't know if a come to Jesus meeting happened here recently for Florida, but they were well behind in this recruiting class. They have the funds to back things up, and now they're a top ten class, and probably going to rise even higher than that. So, like the 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 infrastructure is there for Billy Napier to win at a high level. I think he's going to have a successful career in Gainesville. Yeah, I think I, I usually look at their ability to assemble staffs, and that's why I'm so bullish on Brent Venables and his the era at Oklahoma that we were embarking upon is because he was able to put together an elite. Staff. I mean, not just a good staff, but an elite staff. There's no other coach, first-time head coach, that could have been hired anywhere in the country that could have pulled Jay Valai and Todd Bates and even Thad Turnipseed and Matt Wells as a um, you know as an analyst. All this kind of stuff. There's nobody that could have done it outside of maybe Corey Raymond, who's one of the best yeah, he is. position he can, coaches yeah. in the country. He's their cornerback coach down there uh, at Florida. Outside of him. I'm not really sure if I would take any of their coaches on Oklahoma staff. And and part of this may be me being ignorant to the exact ins and outs of all of their uh, uh of all of their coaches. I just know that Corey Raymond is a stud. Yeah. So it, so that's where I look at it is it does he have the does he have the full staff to compete? Because uh I because I, I, I'm not sure if he does. I know he's got two offensive line coaches. I'm that also a- of the opinion, too, that if you're worth anything as a head coach in college football, surely you're going to win at Florida, right? And I, and I know the SEC East is, is getting better, and Georgia's going to continue to be really good, but come on, man, it's Florida. I know, Will Muschamp didn't do it there, but I think Billy Napier is a much better head coach than Will Muschamp. And before we hit a break, like, really, I, I don't like Florida, but I am hoping that Billy Napier actually has some success there only because – when he was coming out of, um, where was he at last year? Louisiana. Was he just at Louisiana? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, he was just Louisiana. Uh, he, he wanted the LSU job. He at least wanted to be interviewed by the LSU job. Well, and, it was the most obvious choice. And LSU, the, like, turned their nose up at him and didn't even, like, interview him. Like, he put feelers out to try to have, like, a meeting or something. LSU thought that they were above that and went and hired Brian Kelly. So my hope is, for my dislike of LSU and, like, their fan base mostly, is that he has a great career at Florida, better than Brian Kelly, so LSU looks like morons. They had a guy in their own backyard they were too good to interview. Yeah, at, at minimum, uh, at minimum, do better than LSU, maybe even yeah, if he doesn't go yeah. on for to have massive success. Because keep in mind, with us going to the SEC, I don't want him to have too much Wait, success right. because that might affect ours. So you know, selfishly, yeah, I want them to be okay. Just always be better than LSU because you're right. That was he was the obvious choice 
to take over for LSU. I mean, he was in their backyard, and he wanted the job. And, oh, I mean, yeah, it's. It, that, I think that's going to come back to haunt him because I, Brian Kelly is a weird fit. All right, we'll uh, get to more of your text coming up next on the Air Coverage Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Keep it locked on the ref. Cavens Construction bringing you hour number one of The Rush. You have an emergency repair right now at your office or your home. CavensConstruction.com for more information on how they can help you. Let's go rapid fire, Travis, on the Air Comfort Solutions text lines. Did Gentry Williams return punts in high school? Um, a few, not uh, not a ton, but he's got he's got a lot of straight line speed. I mean, like like we've talked about with his speed, a lot of straight line, almost Olympic level type stuff. Um, but. Not as shifty, I guess, as you sometimes look for uh, for that. It was more, I mean, kickoffs he'd be better suited for maybe than punts. Um, but but now he also was dealing with a bit of an injury his senior year where he would have been doing a lot of that damage. Chuck says Dylan Gabriel will be in the running for the Heisman after his breakout game against Texas. Be ready to be uh, thrown the stat about first-year quarterbacks in that game and how poorly they perform. Um, this one says, why does Edo remind me of the guy on Waterboy? I don't know, Travis. Tell me if you can see a difference between the two. Yeah, because that because he is the guy on Waterboy, isn't he? I can play it here, actually. Here we go. Oh. Farmer Fran off Waterboy, I understood more what he was saying than uh, yeah. Coach O right, to now, the All right, now play Ed O, because that, that was the same guy. Right? <laughs> yeah, now play Ed o. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now play Farmer Fran off the Waterboy, yeah, please. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, oh, man. Brian That's says, fun. if Nebraska loses to Northwestern, doesn't his seat start to defrost? Um, yes. yeah, his don't leave be... him in Dublin if he loses to Northwestern. On the tarmac, <laughs> Lane Kiffin style. Which, I got to say, with a nice buyout, Dublin would be the places to be left. In. Yeah, I mean that's that's an expensive flight back. But with that buyout, he could probably afford to figure his way. He ain't going back to Lincoln, Nebraska, though. If he gets left in Dublin, he'll be <laughs> going somewhere else. He'll be back to Florida. Hour number two of the rush rolls on next. Keep it locked on the ref.